Hey, welcome back to another exciting, exciting time at Ask the Masters. Uh, I am excited because I am with a well-known, widely read industry writer, Mr. Eric Herman, uh, with more than three decades of experience covering all things water. His long history in the industry includes extended stints with Pool and Spa News, Aqua Magazine, and he was one of the founding editors of the original Watershape Magazine. We're going to talk about them a little bit today. And um, is now the uh, print magazine digital descendant, watershape.com. Yeah, uh, I, was the, I was the founding editor with uh, Jim McCloskey at uh, Watershapes uh, that uh, was a print magazine from 1999 through 2011. And now... Watershapes.com is the same product, but on the digital platform, the digital platform. So yes, yeah. Was I doing that thing again, Randy? Was I? Having known you for having known you for thirty-five years, I'm not sure which thing you're talking about. But. <laughs> <laughs> hey, for hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. Appreciate anybody who is. Uh, tuning in and listening to what we might have to say. What I was just referring to is the last time I was on this, it was noted that my eye movement was uh, distracting because I do this a lot. And uh, so I was termed the uh, Marty Feldman of the pool industry. So I'm really trying, I'm talking to a cactus and thinking it's you the listener and we're here to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, that's interesting because we only have about five listeners and one of them's your mom. It wasn't your mom that was saying that. Was it? <laughs> well, you know, you got to treat every listener like they're a million, you know? Uh, <laughs> well, we love our yeah, listeners. My, my, my mom, my mom uh, isn't really up to speed digitally. So I have to like bring this to her and she's like, what is this sweetie? I said, oh, it's this thing. It's online. Oh, that's the digital. So uh, yeah. Seniors um, move to Zoom. Hey, uh, and we do thank all of our listeners. Everybody's too. on Zoom, yeah. Yeah, we thank all of you guys. And if you would take a moment to comment down below, put a big thumbs up for Mr. Eric Herman. If you could share this with a friend, we would appreciate it. We are on all digital platforms, even watershape.com. This will be also featured on the uh, uh, water uh, uh, Watershape uh, page uh, next week. So Oh, we put there. these videos all over the place. We have them on the Watershape page. We share them on social media. I put them in the watershape.com editions, but we have a whole feature devoted to connecting to various media that's been going on in the, in the world right now. And it's part of how in the communication business, things have really changed. So yeah, um, we can get to that today. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to do that with the Emmys now. You saw that was virtual, and uh, now some of your daytime talk hosts are all virtual, and, you know, so... For sports, you... of course, I've been following the Dodgers pretty heavily, and mm -hmm. i got to give high marks for their production because they have so many cardboard cutouts, and it's very entertaining. But, boy, don't we all miss... It goes without saying, right? We all miss the world that we used to know, and uh, we can't wait for live events to come back and to be you know, worry-free being with other people. And uh, that kind of goes without saying. Um, but it sure has, what doesn't go without saying are the, the complicated ramifications of how our lives have changed, you know, in business and in our personal life. I mentioned the Zoom. I didn't even know about Zoom until the, the COVID uh, happened. So 
You know, what, what, what should we t dive into first here? Well, well you know, Randy? We, well, we got to actually, the, probably most of the world knows we've got a little problem here. Now, out by your house, the mountains uh, just above you are on fire right now. A little, uh, what was that, a gender? Um, they were trying to release the baby's gender and they blew up a. Well, I think that was up in Northern California where they, it was a gender reveal party and it sparked this huge fire that has killed people now. And, you know, it's not really funny. No. Uh, no, it's not. This is a really a bummer of a topic, and it's one that a lot of people have different views about, and it's something that I've grown up with. You're a, Randy, you're a native of uh, Southern California, and I mean, you know, we've lived with fires year in, year out our entire lives. You know, I've been evacuated on a couple of occasions and known people that have lost their homes, and, you know, and it's really scary. They move really fast. It happens when there's these hot evil winds and it's like the world just catches on fire, it seems, some days. And I don't think there's any question. Um, I know there are a lot of controversies about what causes them and people have a lot of feelings about that. I'm not here to get into that, but we know that they're getting worse. Um, every year there's this annual ritual of like the world catches on fire and people lose their homes and their lives. And we've, um, it's, it's so catastrophic. And this year has been the worst. Uh, huge acreage, square miles lost, multiple fires, taxing our firefighting resources. And, you know, hey, blessings and uh, goodwill and wishes to those people that fight on that front lines, because this is devastation. This is cataclysmic destruction we see every year. And so the one point I have and you've been passionate, now just a minute, you've been passionate about this point for some 25, 30 years. And I remember when you lived in Bluebird Canyon, and yeah. it seems like this point that and you're about Laguna to bring Beach. up, it, this could have happened uh, on every swimming pool on those terraces above your homes there in Bluebird Canyon. Yeah. It, it would have been simple because you know what? I heard it, gravity works. Gravity works. Gravity works in... Uh, so does water when you apply it to fire and especially when you're preventing something catching on fire. For the longest time, uh, I've been a really vocal advocate. I've written about it oh, many times over the years. Um, I just think it only makes common sense that when you have homes with pools that are next to open land that will inevitably catch on fire. And that's the thing about these landscapes. They're kind of made to burn. Chaparral, forest, Fires happen, and you have homes with pools. Point being, there should be some kind of firefighting capability associated with the swimming pool. Um, I did an article back in like 93 um, about uh, with a guy named Mark Urban, who's no longer with us, but he was promoting this idea of hooking up generators to pool pumps and then equipping the pool with a turn of a valve to a fire hose. And I think a couple of those were installed. Um, around the same time, a, a really good friend of mine that I've known since college uh, was building uh, his own personal home and pool and outdoor area. And it was really kind of ahead of his time because he saw it as an outdoor vacation destination. His name is Ed, and we called it Club Ed. Beautiful freeform pool, about 50,000 gallons, pebble tech finish, rock formations, waterfalls, huge spa, outdoor kitchen, gazebo, putting green, fire pit area. I mean, just the worst. Beautiful place. 
and we had many parties there. And when he was building it, he said to me, you know, Eric, and it was right on the edge of this open land up in Tribuco Canyon in Orange County, California. And it's all the chaparral, beautiful sweeping landscape that it will catch on fire. I mean, that landscape always burns at some point. Uh, it's inevitable. So he said to me, you know, it's not a question of whether this land is going to burn. It's just a matter of when. And so he got this portable firefighting cart with like a five horsepower pump and 150 feet of hose. And it was rated uh, to be able to fight fires. And he stuck a hose in the pool and then he went around and, and could, you know, use it to keep his house from catching on fire should the land there catch on fire. Well, it did in 2007 and he saved his house using this, uh, this system that he bought. So it was like 1500 bucks on, you know, like a $75,000 pool, you know, and it's, he saved his house and it was on the news and, uh, you know, and it took 15 years because he built the pool in like 93 and the fire happened in 2007, the, um, the Santiago fire, I looked it up and uh, his house still stands and we've been to parties there many times since. And it's because he had, he, he fought the fire for about four hours before the fire department showed up and clearly saved his house. That capability should exist for every homeowner that's in a place that can burn. And we want to, um, having read your articles before and known Mark Urban and the beautiful ladies he would bring to the shows to. Um, well, to, there was that. That's yeah. a whole other thing. That's <laughs> um, not happening this year. Is it? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> you have to contact Eric if you want to know about the Hooter girls that were in Mark Urban's booth. Oh, lots of people remember the Hooter girls. <laughs> it's the stuff of widespread legend. They can't, and they, the stories get bigger as the years go on. There's that. But, but uh, getting back to these pumps have to be self-contained, and you can't rely on the pool pumps to pump them because what happens is when these fires come. Uh, down the electricity gets turned off and the water power pressure, goes out yeah power goes out and the water pressure goes to nothing because guess what the fire department has their big pumps pumping on the public water system so when you have your own very personal reservoir in the backyard and your own self-driven pump put those hamsters or those kids together on a treadmill you can get the kids on the treadmill i bet and and then you've got you know, a full-size fire hose which is available now through all major, major stores. We don't even have to name oh, any of them here. If you just Google like swimming pool fire protection system, there's multi, there's many, many products on the market. And, you know, uh, it's just like, why not? Peace of mind. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing too is I, I, I did a piece about this oh, about six weeks ago in Water Shapes. And I talked to our mutual friend and all around knowledgeable guy, uh, Paolo Benedetti, and our other mutual friend and knowledgeable guy, um, uh, excuse me, I got to itch my nose here. Yeah, it happens to me every time I mention <laughs> that guy's name too. <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, man. No. Hey, can we back up? Can, can we edit that part? <laughs> no. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, hey, it's live. It's happening. No, I was, I was talking about my my our other buddy Bill Drakeley. These guys practically tackled me one day, and said, "You know, we got to. This is something that needs to happen." 
and you got Bill and Paula, who are two of the more intense guys I know, mm-hmm. pretty much saying, you got to cover this. Well, fortunately, I agree with them totally on this one. And uh, it's something that is, and, and one of, I, was, I brought up Paula because he mentioned that uh, the other thing you can do uh, from a builder perspective is you can just simply run a line to what amounts to a fire hydrant out to the street to provide immediate access for uh, actual firefighters when they show up and they can start pumping the water too. So, and none of those things cost that much money. So uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great idea. Oh, and I have to conclude with this about my friend Ed who saved this house. He's a big Planet of the Apes aficionado. He has like, he's got this huge Planet of the Apes collection from the original movies, including the costumes and stuff like that. Well. I think it was around 1999 or so, he uh, purchased this thing called the Lawgiver, where in the Planet of the Apes movies, they, when they went to church, they worshipped this giant statue of an ape holding these scrolls, and it was called the Lawgiver. Well, Ed purchased the prop and put it in his backyard. Wow. So, you know, when, yeah, it's really cool. Like, it's uplit, you know. <laughs> it's like he's got the Lawgiver presiding over Club Ed. And when he was fighting the fire, you know, he's part of his thinking, I know, was you got to save the locket. <laughs> and Little useless, useless factoid that I've always found <laughs> particularly interesting. The lawgiver must live. But, uh, he, but he said, you know, it's mostly like in that situation that what you do is you spray down the roof and you make sure no embers get up under the eaves. What you're really trying to do is keep the places that your house could catch fire uh, from being susceptible. And so you're not actually trying to put out the fire. <laughs> you know, it's like these 50 foot flames of the burning chaparral, you know, not one fire hose, but you keep your house from catching on fire. And it's, uh, it's very effective. And I know he's not the only one. No, and I think we've all seen the pictures of where these fires have, have gone over the, the, these neighborhoods and the pools are just sitting there, you know, that are still full of water and you, you wonder if you could have done something. So, well, California fires, we're going to keep going. I think we'll probably be talking about floods here in about three to four months in California. So you guys wait for your nightly news. You know, um, mudslides, yeah, they happen too. This, this current frenzy right now, uh, you and I were talking about how everybody is wanting a pool right now. So even portable pools, it's it's, it's Portable crazy. pools, box stores are selling out of inflatable kiddie pools. And that, that it extends from that level all the way up to the, from you know, I'm speaking anecdotally, but, you know, I talk to a lot of pool builders and you do too, Randy, and everybody from the high, high, high end uh, down through the strata, the economic strata of every type of body of water. You know, you hear about hot tubs are just, you know, they're not able to fill orders because of the demand. And also, I guess, some shortages of uh, parts and stuff because of places being shut down and restrictions on imports and things like that. So the whole industry is challenged right now. I mean, it's great that, that people want pools. And, but, uh, you know, there, we went into this with kind of a labor shortage. Um, so at least, you know, the, there's the fact that the industry is probably providing jobs for people because there's so much work to be had. Um, I think all of that puts a real uh, value on education and training and, uh, making sure that people that might be coming into the industry and working on crews 
or in the office in some capacity have basic knowledge about what water shapes, pools, spas, fountains, streams, all of it are all about. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's a very exciting time and everybody I talk to, I know, uh, Randy, you talk to a lot of builders, right? Uh, sure. I'm sure you're fine. You've, it's across the board, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's not only across the board, we're dealing with other issues and it's ma trying to manage the sheer volume that people are dealing with right now. And, you know, we've got a fairly smart public in that they know how to get action. They want a pool and they'll go to any extent to get little junior into the water, right? So we have actually been doing videos for uh, pool builders. Um, where they will take their phone number off of their website and force somebody into filling out an autofill form where they immediately get a video back saying, hey, we are really sorry. This is, you know, this is a, a unique time in the nation and everybody wants a staycation to stay at home. And we're apologizing that we can't get right back to your phone call, um, you know, virtually because they were getting negative ratings on, hey, I called, you know, Jim's pool service or Jim's pool biz, and I couldn't even get a return call back from them. And they were leaving them negative reviews on social media. So, uh, you know, it was one way that we could kind of mitigate with our builders to say, hey, your, your call is important to us, but it's going to take us three to four weeks to even return the phone call. And we're, we're on a first come serve, you know, first, we've got, we've got people already that we're building pools for. So it's, it's an unusual time for, for sure. And, and people are staying home, you know, even if they're, they're, they're sitting in their spas right now watching the Dodgers. That's what they're doing. So, yeah. Crazy. I think the Dodgers are on until later today, but yeah, watching the Dodgers. Uh, it was weird watching them in Arizona where uh, they have the pool in the outfield and nobody was in the pool. In, in Arizona. That's well, crazy. yeah, you know, that was a chase ballpark. I forget what they call it now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, in Arizona where the Diamondbacks play, yep. <clears throat> they have the pool in the outfield. I always, and that's been there for 20 years or more. I always thought that was kind of cool, but no one's in it. You know, uh, there's a lot going on relative to the shift in the way people are communicating. What you were referring to in the way uh, that kind of marketing is taking place. Uh, now is a whole different way of qualifying leads and communicating uh, the benefits. You know, I think that I, I just wrote a piece about this. It's going to come out. And I think this is a big point, And I do feel really strongly about this one, too, is uh, there is a takeaway in, in all of this that we should keep in mind. And that is when the going got tough, people went, wanted to go swimming. Uh, what's happened here is a profound testimony to the value of the aquatic lifestyle and what it could mean. I mean, if you're at home with some teenage kids and it's hot outside and you don't have a pool, you're thinking about it. And when you do have a pool and they have a place to go burn all that energy all day, then those homeowners are just loving their pool. And so, you know, I've heard the, I think that this is the shift that's gone on is it, for a lot of people, pools have gone from a luxury to what starts to feel like a necessity. And, um, you know, I think about kind of the, the negative reputation and coverage that pools get a lot of times, you know, every year there's all this stuff about uh, biological safety and cryptosporidium and urine and pools. You see all that, these kind of stories all over the internet. And of course, child safety, which is a major monumental issue that we have to deal with and, and I think a subject of another discussion because there's a lot to be said about that. But, you know, pools have expense and they have risk factors, but 
swimming can be so essential to someone's lifestyle and the health benefits are so manifest that what we should learn to do is wisely address concerns and risk factors ahead of time so the consumer is empowered to really fully enjoy uh, uh, the water with you know, less worry and, and, and really just focus on why they have it in the first place. And, and this, this time really distills why they want to have it in the first place. Yeah, and and I think education, um, you know, all the way along. Now, uh, we're, uh, you know, for those of you at Watershape University, and that we're we're transitioning a little bit. This is kind of a, a pivot, in, uh, you know, year digitally to keep ourselves. Now we're also busy. It's probably you know, kind of unique that a lot of the platforms are going digitally. What are you guys doing over at Watershape Watershape University as far as? Well, um, yeah, Watershape University is really. Uh, Doing, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this team because we're taking a really creative approach uh, to putting the information, the education online. Um, just recently, uh, we, we did a 16-hour essential fluid engineering course that was live online and um, call that a synchronous uh, presentation because people are watching it in real time. And that was a really exciting thing, making that work and how that all came together and watching Dave Peterson uh, do his thing for 16 hours over two days. So it was this intensive online course. Of course, people paid to, uh, to take the course and they got software as part of the handouts to do all these uh, really um, complex at times uh, hydraulic calculations. And it, and it was a huge success. And so they're, they're going to be doing other things. They've just... Uh, just announced that there'll be a cost estimating uh, course coming up online. Check at uh, watershape.org for details on that. And that, that also uh, includes some software. I've seen that software. And, yeah, and yeah. I've, I've watched it actually evolve and, and then they did some test trials on it and it's what an amazing piece of software. I'm uh, certainly one that you, you want to take a class on, on learning how to use. So it's- Well, well these, these are tools that can, that, uh, a lot of people in the industry can use in different ways. You know, just understanding how hydraulics works, for example, I think should kind of, maybe not on the depth that we go into in that course, but I mean, you know, it's so fundamental for everybody. And of course, builders should know it in the depth that we go into. And it, you know, the feedback's been phenomenal. And, and there's a bunch of other things coming up that uh, I don't want to uh, turn into an infomercial here, but yeah, water sticks, and, and, you know, there, there, there's going to be online offerings where it exists in perpetuity and kind of you can take a, what we call asynchronously. asynchronously. Uh, why did I try to say that on a podcast? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We're leaving it in. Yeah, we're leaving it in. But so it's all staying in. Everything's in. The itchy nose and uh, yeah. completely lost my train of thought. Uh, but but yeah, uh, then we're going to do some blended courses where the part of it will be online and part of it will be live. Oh, um, yeah, and, and so it's just a lot of things coming up. I mean, we're uh, just I don't know what day this will be available, but uh, this week I think it's the twenty twenty third. What, what's yeah, what's what's Thursday like the twenty fourth? Uh, uh, th this week coming weekend they're doing a live school in North Carolina. Oh, uh, the, yeah. The I've essential, got a... essential pool construction 
And so that's all going to be done with appropriate social distancing and, uh, you know, and, and, and the school filled up. And so, you know, everybody, it's going to be as careful as possible, but we are doing a live school now. Yep. And, you know, this happens at a time when uh, there aren't a lot of live events going on. So, you know, I always think one of the silver linings with all of this is, you know, at whatever point that the world gets back to normal, we can actually be among other humans. Uh, yeah, isn't there going to be a moment of great joy and gratitude, uh, you know, to be close to people that we care about, that we've missed being seeing in the flesh? You know, thank God that technology exists, that we can remain in touch. But there's nothing like being together in, in space and time. And uh, that well, will come there, back. There, come on, Eric. There's some good stuff and there's some bad stuff about that. I, I mean, I, I was kind of reflecting back on a show you went to in 1989. And I, I, you know, I forget who the keynote speaker was. But um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, one of the other things I wanted to talk about here, and I thank you, Randy, for uh, prompting me on that one, uh, is what's happened with the trade show. Uh, we did a Wolfpack webinar Wednesday where we had folks from Informa doing uh, a presentation about how they're taking the International Pool Spa Patio and Deck Expo, I think. And don't ask me to repeat all those letters. Uh, they're, they're doing it all online. It was supposed to be in Vegas in, in November and now it's going to be this uh, um, extended digital edition of a trade show. And, you know, nobody really knows how that's going to go. I the folks at Informer, obviously, you know, working their butts off to try to really make it happen. And, and you know, it's we're all venturing into the unknown with the stuff. And uh, so that's, you know, it, it. I will say that it made me think about my experience at that show. That particular show I've been going to since 1989. I think I missed like four of them in between there. I mean, it's been a long oh. road with it. It used to be the International Pool Spa Expo, and it was owned by NSPI, the National Spa and Pool Institute, which is now the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. Won't get into that history, but the show has evolved a lot over the years, and it used to be, uh, you know, oh, back in the good old days, you know, it was, it was very different. I think it was bigger and possibly more important because there weren't as many uh, communication outlets back then. And uh, this is where people went to get a lot of their information. And it was just a lot of energy. I'm not saying it's not as good now or that it's gotten worse or pining for the old days, but those shows were really impressive back. And so what Randy alluded to was the very first show I went to was uh, in Orlando, Florida in 1989. And you, and you were a young buck, I mean, in a start shirt. I was, and a, yeah, I mean, you were really I telling. was 20, 29 years old. I had no idea. <clears throat> What I'd gotten into, I mean, I barely knew what trade shows were. And as a pool and spa industry has this huge show or, you know, I think it was like 25,000 people showed up to those things back in those days. And it was just this enormous deal. And I was with, uh, <clears throat> I was working for Pool and Spa News at the time, uh, pub reporter. I was an associate editor. And it was really exciting, you know, fly to Orlando and go to this place where the whole industry is and, you know, meeting people and, really heady experience. Well, the keynote speaker at that show, and they used to have these famous people, the keynote speakers was uh, Willard Scott, uh, who was the weatherman on Good Morning America Yep. for a long time. And he always had the thing where he would wear the toupee some days and then not wear the toupee. <laughs> and he would always give a shout out to the centenarians, the 
the people that were turning 100 years old. And he had this whole shtick. Well, he uh, gave this great keynote speech. It was really inspiring. And he has this real avuncular manner. He's very, hey, kind of love you, buddy kind of guy. And you think he's all friendly. Well, I got kind of sucked into that. And um, so we were in like the lobby area or wherever and uh, the pre-function area at wherever the, that convention center is. Huge convention center there. Oh, yeah. And so Willard's standing about five feet from me. I thought, well, I'm going to impress the publication here and go up and get a quote from Willard. I'm going to do my job as a reporter. I went up and said, hey, uh, you know, Mr. Scott, I'd love it if you could give us a comment for Bloom Spot News. And he looked at me like I had an extra head on my shoulder, like, and just shook his head. And there's all these people standing around, right? Everybody sees me. <laughs> and he, like, looks at me and said, kid, talk to my press agent. And he's like, well, it's really, geez, these people. <laughs> and it was like one of those moments where it's just like frozen time. Da, da, da. Oh man, Willard just totally shamed me and like, oh, just get off of me, you little pipsqueak. And he was this really big guy too. And I felt like I was just like, you know, six inches tall and just kind of shrunk away. And one of my colleagues saw this happen and she was like, oh, Eric, I believe it was Linda Green, longtime reporter at Post oh. Funny. Like, oh, you really shouldn't have done that, honey. That was, that wasn't good. And so the publisher at the time, Jules Field, I guess got wind of it from somebody because he had eyes and ears everywhere. Uh -huh. Really powerful guy in the pool industry back in that time frame. And uh, yeah, he was he was nonplussed by my initiative. Uh, and I'm surprised I didn't just get fired on the spot and have to like fly home. I mean, he was like livid that I had done this thing. <laughs> so yeah, that was my first, uh, my first trade show and uh, a lot of experiences along the way since then. Uh, yeah. It was a rather inauspicious start to my tenure going to this particular trade show. But, you know, it's weird how those kind of annual events, you know, become a part of your life. Like, I mean, you know, how many times have, have you and I and people we know hung out together at these oh, things, whether yeah. it's in New Orleans or Dallas or Orlando or Las Vegas. It was in Anaheim. Pasadena. Uh, was, I mean, Pas it, yeah, was way back with the Western. You know, I, I think too, Eric, you know, we didn't have the internet then. And of course we didn't have Zoom and, and things like that. So it, yeah, that was our way to get out to socialize, to find the new product that was coming out to learn the new hydraulics. You know, you can remember some of the teachers back then were, were completely different too. I remember Ron Locker used to teach a lot of classes. There were all these different people that would teach, you know, that were on the circuit for, for a lot of that. So there were, you know, various different, you know, the Hassa boys and the Wilson, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people. Oh, the trade show stories go, are, are at the top of the Western Pool and Spa show. And remember when Hassa would uh, hand out like screwdrivers and the chlorine bottles and the first night of the show. And, <laughs> And that was a happy crowd. Oh man! And they, yeah, they had a double-decker bus that took us over to a saloon one night. Oh yeah, there's, there's so many, a new so many, so, so many. many stories. Yeah, I was just recalling um, uh, the show right after 9/11 uh, was in Phoenix, and this is the weirdest mishap. So the whole everything just seemed strange at that point. We didn't, people couldn't even get their heads around what had just happened. And, the show was in Phoenix and half the show was in the convention center. And then the other half was 
on the floor of the baseball field of Chase Field, which we were just talking about with the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. So what made me think of this. And there was this terrible thing. They put down plywood and carpet to make the trade show floor on the baseball field, which seemed like a really cool idea. And we had a, you know, we had a booth with water shapes on the show floor. Well, I think it was the night before the, or two nights before somebody had accidentally like hit a water main and flooded the field. And so all of the plywood and the carpet was wet (laughs) and it was warping and it smelled all mildewy. And it was like, so you're just in this weird space right now worrying about and, uh, and then you go in and like, it was the most hazardous thing. And these poor workers were trying to tack the stuff down. They'd put down the, tack down the carpet to keep the wood down in one place and then it would pop up, you know, 12 feet away. Wow. You know, it was just like, oh my God. And, and so uh, that, that happened at this show. And, and, and I remember just feeling so strange and uneasy. And, uh, you know, and then the year before that was 2000. And that's when election, it was in Florida where the show was and the election where they didn't know who won. And the hanging chads. <laughs> the hanging chads. <laughs> we, were in, we were in Florida because of the show when the whole hanging chad yeah, thing uh, yeah. happened. Yeah, so uh, I mean, you know, and then of course, all the shows in New Orleans, uh, which just being there is like, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> a special <laughs> event unto itself. So, but now this year we're doing it different to bring this yeah. conversation back and what we're Absolutely. talking about it. And uh, we do encourage people to check out the show. They're having a virtual uh, exhibitor space and, you know, all sorts of stuff and these, uh, these power keynote or these uh, power panel discussions, which I went to one of them last year, a builder power panel. It's like kind of the in place of a keynote speech that happens right at the beginning of the show. And they have like three guys taking questions and, and talking about their segment of the industry. And they had one for service and retail and, and builders. And I thought it was really, really good. And so I'll probably tune into that. And uh, virtual rooms, yeah. if you've got a lot of virtual Vir- rooms, so you're, yep. you're really going to have access to that rep that you want. You can schedule time and, and uh, really get some personal one-on-one attention. So it is going to be different and it's going to save you the flight and the hotel room. And you probably aren't going to get taken out to dinner by your favorite manufacturer. But short of that, I think you're, you're. Well, that's the interesting thing, you know, to what extent is there a huge silver lining in this and everybody can participate without the expense of travel. Yeah. We know that uh, travel, the time and the expense keep a lot of people away from trade shows. Sure. That would, would go if, if it was just around the corner and all they had to do was log on, you know? Now everybody can participate. And so I think it'll be interesting going forward to see what components of these uh, live, these digital trade shows will, will go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it'll also be interesting to see, if, you know, as, as far as I know, like say Atlantic City in January is still supposed to happen, the pool and spa show. You know, and, you know, will there be social distancing measures taken there? You know, will people be putting up plexiglass on their booths or at the, the sign-up tables? You know, yeah. I mean, will there be an expectation that people wear masks and, and stand six feet apart? I, I hope so, if we're still dealing with this. But, you know, there was something else I wanted to bring up about all that. Is I just read this report by uh, PK Data, which, if you don't know, is a... Uh, company that amasses statistics and they mm-hmm. they uh, really have been carrying the ball as far as that goes uh, with the pool industry for a long time. And they, they do these quarterly reports and they were projecting this year. It's just like we said, gone crazy. 
in certain cities, they're saying, you know, business is up 50 to 100%. And in best case scenarios, uh, we're talking about um, sales uh, trajectory that looks a lot like what was happening uh, in the pre-recession days when the industry was on fire, you know, sure. for very different reasons. And, and this is kind of a sudden onset of it. But so, you know, with that comes the question, okay, is this something that's going to continue? Is it a bubble that will burst? Uh, the future is so uncertain. Yeah. And the one thing we know is that we've all gotten better at adapting. And, uh, you know, that's another silver line. I like to look for the positive side of things. And, and, you know, I think the appreciation we have for each other and the fact that we maybe have become more tolerant and adaptive in some ways is, is really positive. And the industry's had to adapt in a different way in terms of this frenzy of activity and uh you know no one knows how long it's going to last i mean the builders i'm talking to say they're they're booked through you know into next year easily Completely. yeah and, yeah. and, and they're and they're at capacity so subcontractors you know uh plumbers shot creek guys steel guys they're at capacity and we just don't have the labor force to move them in so where you know I, I think we've we've come through it in the pool industry and the outdoor living space let's put it that way um in a in a great way because everybody's taking advantage of that so well but, and this is the thing it's we bring something to people's lives in this industry that i don't think any other industry does and i don't mind being a cheerleader for the industry to say this is that this brings happiness and joy and experience and health pride of ownership, uh, beauty into people's lives. And uh, the fact that that has come into such amplified and clearer focus now is, is something that we should, uh, I think, be grateful for and try to make the most of it while, while we're in this situation. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that's a good time to stop because you, you and I have quite a few of these left. However, you're going to take us out today. We're working on a limited budget. So can you uh, pull up the ukulele and uh, do us a little, uh, just a little exit music for us as, as I uh, give the, the exit here? Uh, yeah, some of you might recognize this one. It was by a group uh, out of Liverpool in the 60s called The Beatles. I'm really screwing up here. We're just yeah, you know, he is Eric Herman. He is here, a monster my, in the I, industry. <laughs> I have my moment to play. Here comes the sun for the industry, and I totally box it. I'm gonna like probably obsess over this for days. Can we try that again next time? I'll rehearse more. I'll be ready. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll keep trying it until we get that theme song out. Thanks for here, giving brother. me that opportunity, man. I can't believe I did this. I'm actually pretty good, but but my I froze. I got <laughs> I love it. He is Eric Herman. This is Water Shapes. Please take a moment and like, comment, share, repeat. We'd love your input. We appreciate it. Eric, as always, love you, my man. We'll see love you, you soon. Love you, my brother. Okay, take care. Take care. Bye-bye.